0: Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 7th, 2021, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Since we last checked in, December corn left 550 behind. Unfortunately, it went the wrong direction, dropped down to 5 and a quarter, stabilized yield potential, and a significant disruption in the export process of the reasons there. We'll talk about that a little bit more. The evacuation of Americans from Afghanistan has ended, but the effort continues. Uh, The Cubs, oh my gosh, the Cubs have won eight games in a row. It's (laughs) unbelievable. Cyclones started the season with a solid win, and ESPN's game day is headed to Ames for this weekend's Iowa-Iowa State matchup. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory. That is pro-former policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Jim, how are you this morning?
1: Pretty good, and my Nationals won two out of eight.
0: Wow. Hey, man, I'm telling you this, this 21 baseball season is, is going to be one to forget is what it's starting to look like. You know, it, it's looking that way, but at the same time for Cubs fans, it's going to be the season that broke up the team that, that uh, finally got us a world series back in 16. So that's going to be a little. Tough to remember. Yeah, and the rumors
1: is that Pujols could be coming back to St. Louis next year, maybe to end his career.
0: Yeah, give him a one-year contract, let him end it in St. Louis. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay, let's get into what we learned last week, Jim. And at the end of last week, we had a jobs report out that is at the least confusing. And it's confusing because there are so many jobs available, there are so many people that say that they are work, looking for work, yet our our non-farm payrolls expansion fell like half a million short of trade expectations, and totaled uh, less than two hundred fifty thousand. It's a really disappointing report. Yeah, it was, and
1: and you know the the initial assessment of that because he, I, again, it only showed two hundred thirty-five thousand, as you said, non-farm payrolls. Uh, Expectations of over 700,000 and a revised July figure of just over 1 million, Chip.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, It it lays to rest any odds that the uh, uh, Federal Reserve will announce tapering. You know, this month, and at least some are even calling into questions, uh, you know, by the end of the year. But I think they need, as the Fed always says, they want to see more data. But the Delta variant is is definitely having an effect on the uh, uh, economy. As you said, and as I wrote, you know, this morning, uh, we have so many companies looking for jobs, but yet, they're not finding them.
0: Yeah, looking for workers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it it is having a it is breaking things down. We talk all the time about consumer confidence and how important it is to uh, financially and and for their well being to get them to get consumers out and doing things. It's just as important to talk about worker confidence to give to make sure that those people have the confidence to go back to work. In some cases, Jim though. I, I still think that the unemployment benefits that are available from them are making some people just unwilling to go back to work.
1: Well, we should s- soon get the biggest test on that because they ended CHIP uh, yesterday yep. for seven and a half million, uh, uh, you know, people. So it may take a while, but mm-hmm. we're going to see the the data so far of the states who ended it earlier. Is kind of you know, kind of murky. There's no significant uh, uh, outlook that 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 one can make you know from it. Plus, you yes. have with the COVID, as you said, the confidence, and also yes. how many spouses, whether it's the husband or wife, that's had to stay home to watch children. Now, I think that's a bigger impact than a lot of people think.
0: Yeah, the the child care issue is very important. I think another thing it, that is in, coming into play is that these some young families have figured out that we thought we both had to work because we had a lifestyle that we wanted to live but after being home with the kiddos for a while I think it's better if we stay home with the kiddos. So there's some of that that has happened as well. I don't uh,
1: blame that. Both of my sisters stayed at home while they yeah. you know watched their children and I and I could see the difference between that and 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 working. Not not criticizing you know spouses who work but it does it does make a you know difference in many cases. The Wall Street Journal had an interesting reason, another reason. It said the software that sorts through applicants deletes millions of people from consideration chip. So that caught my eye there.
0: I wonder why that is. Because they've been unemployed for a certain period of time. That,
1: well, they go through maybe what what a company has asked for, or but uh, I, you know, that may need to be tweaked there. But that really
0: caught my eye. Interesting, interesting. Okay, uh, and when we talk about confidence in the strength of the economy, I like to look at at the farm economy and the latest projections on net farm income were out last week. With some upside revisions there.
1: Oh yeah, it'll rise eighteen and a half billion to one hundred and thirteen billion. That's net farm income. That's up uh, just over one and a half billion dollars from the February outlook chip that you know Pro Farmers said was you know, way too low to begin with. So, right. you know, this is just confirmation cash net cash farm income, which is a better barometer is forecast up almost six and a half billion from February projection. So uh, that's key. Now, of course, we're already worrying about 2022 farm income, but just the same thing. Remember when we were worried about 2021 farm income about this time last year, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. things have a way of changing very fast oh, on yeah. income.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and obviously the outlook for 2022 is brightened, but the conversation that we are having now is over includes a lot of concern about what has happened to input costs for 2022. And this will get us to the next topic here because We've somehow, some way we're going to have to get fertilizer and nutrient products up the river this fall and get it into position for application. And with the disruption that we've got down at the Gulf right now, Jim, I don't know if that's going to happen in a significant way.
1: Not anytime soon. I know uh President Biden is going to give another briefing. He's touring New York and New Jersey today, and then at four o'clock eastern time, he's giving another briefing on the impacts and the aid that the U.S. taxpayers are doing to uh, help uh, as a result of the Ida uh, implications here. But we're seeing uh, you know impacts uh, increase rather than decrease right now, Chip, with the electricity still off in most export elevators.
0: Jim, I, I'm so thankful that the floodgates, the storm surge walls, all of that held around New Orleans. I thank God for that. But the fact that they did I think, got the media to take their eye off the ball when it comes to some of the other impacts down there. The oil production in the Gulf, it's worse than when Katrina went through.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: That caught my eye as well today because, yeah. uh, 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 you know, that shows you the significance of it. Uh, Chip, what was it? It's, it's, it's been for the loss of almost 17 million barrels yep. of oil output in the 10 days since the uh, platforms were uh, evacuated. That's right. a little over 30% more crude than was lost to Katrina. And forty-two percent more than Gustav and Ike in comparable periods. Jip.
0: yeah, this is. Uh, and then when we take a look at the impact to the grain loading facilities down there, Cargill at um, at uh, Reserve, it the the damage sounds like it's significant. That's ten percent of the uh, loading capacity down there at the port of New Orleans. Cargill at Westwego. There's another issue there, CHS facility at Myrtle Grove, and others, and others. Okay. But those are the three that have been publicized the most. But we're talking about taking upwards of 25% off, 25% of loading capacity. Off the books for a period of time, Jim, that's going to have an impact.
1: Absolutely. Here's perspective. 65% of the Port of New Orleans exports are ag products, and coffee is one of the major goods imported at the gateway. And this is why coffee continues to go higher. I'll still buy it, by the way, but it's (laughs) going higher, okay? But mm-hmm. now there are some offsets. It doesn't, uh, you know, totally compensate, but the PNW is operational. Mobile, you know, Mobile is operational and Houston, of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be some movement of the grain. There's got to be. There's, well, you can see it problem. in the basis for those facilities. Yeah. It's, it's
1: uh, you, know, you know, firmer. And once that starts to widen out again, that's my my best indication that things are getting better sure. uh, in uh, uh, down
0: south. Sure. I think it's going to take a while. Well,
1: you've got the White House nervous because uh, they're tapping the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Uh, So uh, I think one and a half million barrels. Now, that won't help significantly, but it won't hurt either.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Anything else from last week, Jim, that we really need to mention? Or we can move on to the weekend.
1: Well, move on to the weekend. But also, uh, I wanted to say that, uh, you know, Secretary Vilsack gave a uh, lengthy and I appreciate the time when any cabinet member takes that time at a Farm Journal, uh, you you know, town hall event last week. And he signaled some things, uh, Chip, that we should get some sort of announcement uh, today. Yep. Uh, about a new grant program that's going to provide aid for farm and uh, food workers hurt by the uh, uh, pandemic. And then tomorrow they're going to announce uh, some investments in renewable energy infrastructure. Uh, I don't know whether that's what he signaled uh, during the Farm Journal Confab are not but it, it he kind of signaled that it may not be direct payments even and he, he even said chip mm-hmm. he didn't think he really had the authority but as i went back and and i told you on agritalk yeah. the language clearly says that he uh, it, that it specifies does he has yeah. authority. So, uh, I know it's over at the office management and budget, so they're going to re- you know, they're, they're absolutely ready to announce some additional aid today, today and tomorrow.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, just a reminder to everybody that's watching the live stream out there. If uh, you would like to comment, have a question, uh, look at that comments tab over on the right side of the screen, click on that. Your, your, um, uh, the, the text box will come up at the bottom of the page, bottom right uh, corner of the page for you to answer your question there. Okay. Over the weekend, some news for the beef industry and cattle and beef trade around the world. Brazil has a second case of mad cow disease down there, China and Hong Kong uh, exports to those two countries to China and to Hong Kong have stopped.
1: Yes. Uh, but I still think any country should just stop exports from the region of a country, uh, that, that it's found ship, but I don't know whether that's the case in this time because, uh, China doesn't have an agreement, uh, you, know, you know, you know, with the, you know, you know, Brazil to that effect they do with us, by the way.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So in other words, what's that, what that means is if we would have a case up at the PNW and a dairy herd or something like that, we can still ship them beef out of the, out of a Nebraska feedlot.
1: Which makes sense, doesn't yeah. it?
0: It's logical. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of yeah, things
1: that. when you deal with government isn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, talk a little bit of railroad here real quick, if we could, Jim, because the Kansas City Southern is taking a new look at the offer from Canadian Pacific, right? Uh,
1: absolutely. They issued a statement over the weekend, and uh, they're taking another look uh, at that
0: offer. Uh, um, 27, initial, billion. What,
1: 27 billion from, yep. you know, uh, Canadian Pacific. And in their statement, they basically said, you know, that could go up a little higher. <laughs> they sent a signal <laughs> that, uh, because the surface transfer- transportation board nixed, uh, uh, the one by Canadian national, uh, they said uh, that a voting trust proposed by CN could not be used. And, you'll recall that that offer was, what, $32 billion, I think. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I think it was $32 billion. So bottom line, Kansas City Southern stockholders are scheduled to meet, Chip, September 24th to consider its next steps. So we've got some time here to monitor this. I'm sorry, Canadian National made a, in May made a bid to, to buy the railroad for
0: $30 billion. Okay. All right. Chip, um, <laughs> there's 420 some days to the next uh, to the midterm elections and i don't know if that's enough time for the bitterness of the american public over what has happened in afghanistan to wear off
1: you know what's different on this one chip is outside of this country our our western allies are just appalled at yeah. the strategy or the lack of strategy of our country and in particular president biden had regarding the withdrawal dash evacuation and those things linger and that could have multiple year if not decades uh implications
0: yeah and I don't know, does that have much of an impact on, on some of the the House races out there?
1: Oh, it does. House especially. Uh, okay. Yeah, it it does. We're going to see that this is another test. But you've got Biden's standings as no, it continues to nosedive uh, in, in the polls. Again, as we said, there's 427 days until 2022 midterms. But we're going to have this... Uh, Virginia, my home state. Now, you know, governor's race this November, and that's going to be the initial test to see any oh. implications, Jeff.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, the effort still goes on there. There was a a, a woman's uh, protest was taking place in in Kabul on on over the weekend, and it was violently suppressed by the Taliban. That's just uh, there. <laughs>
1: That's the old I,
0: Taliban
1: uh, you right. know, on this one. And you've got a number of cabinet uh, officials, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Defense Secretary Austin. They left uh, you know, Sunday for the Mideast. They're going to meet with local officials uh, and try to uh, discuss diplomatic ways, their words, to help others escape from Afghanistan and you had uh, uh, US representative Republicans use the word hostage
0: over the weekend yeah. in a Fox news program. So this is getting into the emotional area, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, uh, you mentioned that there's a COVID aid announcement coming today and tomorrow from USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack. We'll be watching for that. We're into the week ahead now. It's one of my favorite reports of the year, Jim. September crop production report. It's, um, um, starting last year, starting last year, the September report is the first report on crop production that includes USDA's observations from their objective yield plots. I think that's going to be very important this year. I think it's, uh, it, it, um, is going to help support what pro farmer found when they were out on crop tour uh in in the third week of august plus
1: it's going to be amplified this year as you know chip by nasa at least considering uh farm service agency acreage data because yeah. uh, the information is is adequate that they said last week so if pro farmers right we're we should see an increase of what around a, a million acres of yeah. uh, corn and maybe I, as
0: much as one three one three. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that's going to amplify the production, you know, possibility. And then after that report, if that's true, if that's realized, then the guessing game starts of ho- how low can December corn futures go before sure. we you know, seek a, a bottom. And uh, you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, what with prices, uh, you know, since our last program went down, regretfully, I know you realize livestock producers should take this as an opportunity either
0: sometime this week to get some coverage, don't you think? Absolutely, it it certainly should. Uh, And I'll throw out a shameless plug right now, Lance Honig, who is the chief of the Crops Branch at the National Ag Statistics Service, is going to be on AgriTalk this morning and we are going to find out why they have decided that they can take a look at the FSA certified acreage yes. data a month earlier. And they've got a lot of other work that's going on right now as well. Big reports coming out at the end of the month, quarterly grain stocks report in particular, that that sets the final 2020-21 uh, uh, ending stocks numbers for corn and for soybeans. So we'll We'll uh, we'll talk with Lance about how all of that is is progressing. And okay. don't
1: you think chip, the market's then attention goes to the harvest weather?
0: Oh, oh, absolutely. And,
1: and then the uh, you know production prospects
0: outside of this country. Absolutely. Yep. Then we've got to play the supply game for at least another month, at least another month. And then we'll start taking a much closer look at what's happening on the demand side of things. Because
1: with the weather events that we've seen, you can almost predict a a harvest glitch somewhere. You
0: know, we we just don't know where and, and the coverage of it. That's right. That's right. All right. Question comment from Tanner. Does the findings of BSE in the Brazilian meat supply or beef uh, help give McCool, the mandatory country of origin labeling, more footing to run on from a food security standpoint, not only from a producer standpoint, but also from the consumer's interests? I,
1: I don't think so. Uh, in fact, I've quite confident that uh i i know where where that question is yep. uh, you know you know the thrust of the question uh any consumer should want to know and food should safety should know, be
0: the thrust of that
1: absolutely, absolutely. any consumer should should know where their uh you know food products are coming from and the admit with the labeling they're getting closer to mm-hmm. to that ship a true identification of you, you you uh you will recall uh fixing the that,
0: product of the u.s
1: absolutely yeah. so that's a step but mm-hmm. I, I just don't see the support in this town yet if ever on the traditional uh, you know, m cool. You know, you know, mandatory country of origin labeling, because you'll recall, and this is not the only reason, Canada can uh, cross retaliate if they think that they're, uh, uh, that the U.S. is not being WTO compliant, meaning the World Trade Organization. So right. that's kind of a leverage that that they have on this issue.
0: Okay, let's go take a look at Congress and what's going on there. Democrats are meeting this week to begin drafting the social safety net that's out there in this $3.5 trillion social infrastructure, social spending, build back better plan. I don't know what they're going to call it this week, but there's going to be a name on it.
1: Yeah, we have what uh, we talked about Friday on Agritalk, posturing now, but there's a lot of committee work. And you said the right word, they're beginning, because this is not going to be completed this week. But, you know, Friday, the Ag Committee is going to start writing it up. And you had Republicans over the weekend on the House Ag Committee issue a letter saying, hey, uh, you know, please include our ideas. And I don't think that's going to happen, Chip. But let's just look at this month what the Democrats are having to do they They want to pass two major pieces of legislation that one trillion dollar bipartisan physical infrastructure bill which which includes five hundred and fifty billion of new spending, and that three and a half trillion dollar spending package that you just mentioned uh, They also need to pass government funding legislation to avoid a government shutdown October one. So we have a september twenty seventh self deadline by the Democrats to vote on that bipartisan infrastructure bill. And then the committees have been given until September 15th, which is not that long to hold a floor vote shortly thereafter on on some of the portions of the larger spending package. So, And then we have the debt limit that they're either going to have to increase or likely suspend uh because now the treasury department is already taking extraordinary actions to avoid reaching that debt limit so we have you talk about a month that's going to be busy uh
0: wow right right yeah a lot of action has to take place senator joe manchin democrat from west virginia if he wasn't on a talk show over the weekend, a news talk show. He was talked about on a talk show yeah. over the weekend, uh, and rightfully so.
1: Yeah, because he's he put out in an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal last week and in a speech uh, Wednesday last week, he he, he told the Democrats and his party they ought to hit the pause button on this $3.5 trillion until uh, more data comes in uh, on the U.S. economy and other aspects. Bottom line, Chip, You know, with the with Biden's polls sinking right now uh, relative to covid uh, increase and uh, Afghanistan, I still think this increases the odds that we'll get both the physical infrastructure and the social uh, uh, infrastructure bills through, but not in the uh, degree for the three and a half trillion dollar package uh that uh the you know, biden and the Democrats want what that number is I have no idea two tri- trillion under two trillion and will that get other Democrats upset that they won't vote for it that right. could get into the murky area so but I think w- when the, it w- when the Democrats realize that it, it, their election year uh, uh, outlook, which is already pretty dim and dimming, for 2022, that could get even worse if they don't show anything for all these many
0: months of pontificating on the need yeah. for additional aid. Yeah. Okay, Jim, you mentioned it, and if we don't have any more details on it, that's fine. We'll we'll move on. But you said that um, the House Aid Committee and Chairman Scott. They don't feel like they're getting much love in the reconciliation process here. What are they looking for?
1: Well, they just want to be heard out and maybe because I, I think they have a point, Chip, and that's in recall that the Ag Committee was uh, given the directions that they could spend, what, 135 billion dollars that's that's a farm bill and not to have hearings mm-hmm. or right. uh, anything to that's that's equivalent to a farm bill on title 1 and conservation yeah. program spending combined and yet this is going to be a, a partisan approach so I, I think that they have definite merit you know, regarding their concern, but they're not going to be listened to. This is going to be driven. It's because the Democrats will say, we're not going to get one Republican vote on this reconciliation package, so we're going to come up with it. But they did send the letter highlighting uh, recent bipartisan wins, if you'll recall, yeah. uh, you know, uh, for the broadband and disaster
0: programs,
1: but I-, I just don't see them being
0: listened to. Okay couple more that are kind of out there on the edges a little bit, but the things that I think we should be paying close attention to. Senator Klobuchar is talking about eliminating the filibuster again. Jim, why?
1: For a holster reason, she said. The recent uh, Texas abortion, uh, you know, with the Supreme Court ruling— at uh, the uh, the uh, upcoming uh, votes on uh, the on the voter, uh,
0: protection.
1: Uh, on the voter prote- so-called voter protection right, uh, right. B- bill and uh, and she knows that the, the re- Republicans will not vote for this social infrastructure measure. But you know Klobuchar is, is usually in the more moderate camp in the Democratic yeah. Party, but this this is a big step for this her, brought her it, out this brought her out. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's very interesting to see the stand that she is taking on this. Uh, okay. On the issue of climate change, Jim, some are starting to put their money where their concerns are by buying up ground in areas that they think will become maybe the next grain belt. Yes. The Economist
1: hasn't Excellent story in this week's, our, it, it was issued last Thursday in their weekly magazine. Climate change will alter where many crops are grown, and they note a particular financial company and companies in Canada, uh, you know, Bonifield Financial is one of them, they've been buying up land in Manitoba and other provinces, and then leasing it back under the full expectation that uh, crops that uh, previously, at least uh, in, in, in a decade ago, uh, could not grow certain crops, such as soybeans, etc. And uh, they may be on to something, Chip, because the data is showing, Uh, not only in Canada, but look at uh, Russia, their leader Putin is saying it's not going to be very long before Russia gets more money exporting wheat than oil. So they're going to increase their area for wheat. So you've got some market implications here that's going to grow uh, relative to the chi- uh, you know climate change uh, implications, what I'm tr- researching now, Chip, is what does climate change, if this is true and if it uh, adds up here, what does that mean for South American production, Brazil in particular? Does yeah. that mean they're going to continue to have some drought, you know, situations more often than not that we've seen this past year? These are major mega potential mega changes for the future, Chip.
0: Yeah yeah um uh, oh bill's bill made a comment here and i tell you what after after this growing season in 2021 with the it, with the way that this corn crop has been able to hold on to some yield during some very dry conditions bill makes a comment plant breeding is more significant than climate change yeah uh, it it you know I keep going back to my days at Iowa State University with my good friend, Elwin Taylor, who was my weather mentor that told me flat out 2020 to 2025 would be the most volatile weather period that you will experience in your reporting career. Hmm. Well, so far, so good, Elwin. So far, so good. Uh, What happens after 2025? Do we start to regress to more? consistent, more stable weather conditions. That's going to be interesting to see. And whether or not we have to reverse a lot of these these climate change Efforts uh, but, is is but, going to be interesting to see. But
1: that commentator is right in this in this area, many areas. One is where would we be had we not had that private research on those stacking crates? Oh wow! Uh, so yeah,
0: observation, Bill.
1: As yep. you stack up those those, uh, we could be in a pickle right now. And oh. uh, if if this climate change is for real, uh, you're the the need uh, for uh, a continued increase uh, in 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 yield, I- I- especially yeah. in these other areas like Canada. And the seed companies uh, have increased their varieties, as we well know, uh, for for Canada. And that's why you're seeing the expansion of soybeans, you know corn uh, in in in, uh, in those areas uh, in in addition to well, canola in the u s.
0: Right. Well, if we are shifting the heart of grain country to the north, uh, the the guy that paid a record price of over twenty two thousand dollars an acre for farm ground in Iowa over the weekend is probably going to be disappointed in the next 10 years as he watches his investment dry up and shrivel up around him, I guess.
1: Well, uh, Iowa could be saved depending on some of these research, you know, studies, but it's those Southern uh, areas yeah. that, that may, you know, may be a difference. And the need for irrigation is going to increase chip in a, in a, in a time frame in the decades yeah. ahead where water is going to be a very, very significant
0: policy issue. So uh, again, something that we're going to talk about for decades. That's right. Okay. We are out of time. Lance Honig, as I mentioned, is on the the, uh, AM show with me this morning. And Jeff Cooper, the president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, will talk about some of the recent decisions, uh, court decisions that affect the RFS and the small refinery exemptions.
1: Also, Chip, ask uh, Cooper about the letter they sent over the weekend urging Congress to do more uh, aid for the biofuel industry in this reconciliation package.
0: Absolutely. I will, Jim. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today. Have a great week, everybody. Keep watching for those signals.